You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Today on The James Altucher Show. I know when Noah Kagan comes on the podcast, there's going to be fireworks. First time I had him on the podcast was in 2014, and he literally changed my life. He, he told me, do this right after the podcast. Go to your nearby Starbucks for a coffee, a donut, whatever, and simply ask for 10% off. And I'm like, what? And he said, just try it and do it. And I tried it, and I was really scared and nervous. And they didn't give me 10% off. I asked. They did not give me 10% off. They kind of looked at me funny, and they had to ask the manager. But since then, I've done it many, many times. It's literally changed my life. And I wanted Noah to give me much more kind of advice and techniques for getting out of my comfort zone just like this. So we always have fun conversations. Noah was one of the first employees at Facebook and he got fired. One of the first employees at Mint, he got fired. Now he runs AppSumo. It's a great business. That's not why I have him on. I have him on just to hear what fireworks come next. And this podcast was no different. Sometimes I can't believe the things I say. Lately, I've been going to parties, like house parties, and then I apologize afterwards. I'm, I text, I texted my friend Vanessa Van Edwards, and I said, "Was I too much?" She's like, "Nah, it's just right." I don't know. It's funny the how we get self conscious. Well, okay, You're, did you just go to a party last night? Like, why are you self conscious right now about it? <laughs> Not right now, but it's just like sometimes I like come on, like I don't know, I just got a lot of energy, and I have, I guess, weird things like that I say out loud, and uh, sometimes I, I, I'm curious how people experience that. We had a guy quit our company last week at AppSumo because he just was like, I don't like Noah. Well, okay. Let's talk about that for a second. You have, you have a very intense personality, which I think is a positive. Like Thanks. you're always filled with ideas and you're optimistic and you're inspiring to people. But maybe that he was overwhelmed by that. And maybe you don't pick up on his cues when he needs something other than that. It's an interesting thing in the world to like, how do we take input? Right, and then and then filter that input to make our own decisions. Like I have therapy at four right after this, and it's like, uh, you know, I get this input from my therapist, and I, it's, I'm very, I'm in a very vulnerable place when he tells me his stuff, and then I'm like, I don't know, is that true? And then I have my own opinions, and you know, like this guy, and so it's it's hard to filter through that at times. Like this guy who quit, he, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't like Noah as a CEO. He doesn't seem stable potentially or consistent. And I was like, you know, the people who I do work with, that you know, not everyone is on the same wavelength. Yeah, and obviously you're you're 
So, so, so what makes a good CEO? The first thing of course is the metrics of the business. Like is the business profitable and growing? And the second thing is of course, is how do you nurture the people who depend on you, whether that's employees or shareholders or even customers. So do you think part two of that is a little harder for you than the profit making aspect? The, the team part? Yeah. Oh, I think it's finding the right people, right? You know, like there's, you know, the right, I, you know, who's the right people in the canoe going in the same direction? Uh, I think we just have a very specific culture at AppSumo where it's not, we, we had a guy who worked for us for six months. He came from Amazon and he's like, you guys are not professional. And I was like, we're professional. We're just not very, we're not very corporate. Like if, look, did you see the shirt I wore for you today? Like I have a drug paraphernalia shirt on. <laughs> I don't, I don't do all these drugs, but anyways, it's not that it's like, why take, why so serious? And that's yeah. not a bad thing. It's just like find the, the place and company or the, the people in your life that, you know, that are that your tribe or whatever they call it. Yeah, and like like you said, Amazon has a very uh, corporate kind of culture. In order for something to get done, what is it? You have to write the suggestion as if it was a press release of a mm. of your idea being announced by Amazon, and then it has to go all the way up the chain to Jeff Bezos, pretty much. And then they so it's a very like it's a very corporate. Like they have, they have books about their culture, and it's been a, their culture for twenty years. So it's like baked into their 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 DNA as a company. And a young company is excited about new things and can pivot quickly and tries things just to try to see what happens. You don't have to write like a whole press release. So that I understand the dif- difference is there. But I'm just wondering if 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 you're a, like was this employee a good employee, an employee that you wanted to keep? He worked. He joined the company for four days. Oh, okay. Well, then forget it. He's a loser. <laughs> I, I, and he, he's going to quit just because he doesn't. And he's going to tell you that he's quitting because he doesn't like you after four days. I was like, uh, that's a loser. You don't need to think about him ever again. No, I, I don't miss him. I'm, I'm glad it happened in four days. I, you know, then the question is, how do we miss it in our recruiting process to get ahead of that for the future? Where it's not, you know, why, how do we miss that he wasn't going to be a good fit for us to, to in the future? I think the thing that. Uh, yeah, with him, I think he kept his old job too. I think he actually there's have you heard about this new trend where people have like three to four jobs? No. Oh, it's actually like on it's it's pretty big on Reddit and like the so so these software engineers and it's on Y Combinator. Software engineers are so in demand right now. You can be a senior software engineer, make like 200, 300, and you keep three jobs. And because it's so in demand, the expectations in places, not all the places, are very low. So you could actually do a lot of like you don't even have to do that much and you're making a mil plus with three jobs. Somehow I feel like that's like like a girl cheating on me or something. <laughs> I don't like open I, relationship. Have you have you read No Rules Rules? No. Oh my god. If you're if you're in a business or you want to be growing a business, it's how Netflix operates. And most business books are fucking lame. It's just like Wait, is this I, called You just said No Rules Rules? Yeah. Top top 10 business it. book of all time. Like I I I think my I like my barometer of reading uh, books in general cuz I read a ton of them. But one of the things he says in, his, in this book that I thought was so clever is that they encourage their employees to go get offers from other companies. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I thought it was, well, someone did it in our company today and I was like, I don't want you to leave. I love you. I would love for you to be a part of AppSumo forever. And But it, it helped knowing your market rate. So I thought that was interesting. That's kind of the Netflix thing. And, um, you know, that, that was, I got this advice in 1995 where the head of HR at HBO told me, send your resume around at least once every two years. And in these days, I think it's probably every year or six months just to see what your value is on the marketplace. The market is supply and demand. Find out where you stand. 
Yeah, some of the people I'm like, you're definitely not going to get paid as well as you do. <laughs> like, and some of them, it, it is fair. Like, we have this guy at our team. He's been there a while, and I love him. And I'm like, do you? You know, he told me he's like, yeah, I've thought about going to these other companies, and I really just love you, and I love part of the you know other things going on. And I'm like, all right, well, let me see how much more I can get you as part of our company. Um, I think that kind of CEO to some extent, which I'm working on, is uh, I do care a shit ton. I care so much about I, not. This sounds fucked up, but not everyone, but most people at the team. Um, and my job is like, how do I help them live a great life? And in turn, then I get to live a great life. The company gets to have a great life. But it's been an experience, man. And it's also trying to figure out how to how to be a good mentor. Yeah. There's not a lot of material on like how to be a good leader. There's like leader, but it's not like how do you actually be a mentor or a coach in a support in a good way? And like, still working on it. it. It's hard. I think you kind of have to have like I always have two things that I think about. One is at the end of a day, if, if someone's working for me, at the end of the day, do they call up their parents and say, mom, you can't believe what great things I did today. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is uh, I want the, my goal is for them to be better than me and quit and start their own company competing against me or even a better company altogether that I can't even compete with. So if I keep those two goals in mind, I stay happy because eventually they quit and B, I, I enjoy the benefits of their improvement along the way until they leave and uh, see, you know, what goes around comes around. Like, you never know. Maybe if I'm going to be homeless on the street 10 years from now, they'll find me sticking a needle in my arm and they'll save me. <laughs> so those are, those are my guiding principles. Dude, I was reading an article about that uh, this weekend around, have you heard about meth Zoom rooms? You see this on the New York Times? This is why I like talking to you. Everything you say, I haven't heard about. Dude, you say all the things I haven't heard about too. Like I just wrote it down about happy mom and and uh, hopefully they quit. But yeah, there's this new thing. I, I, I don't know. I love reading Wall Street Journal. That's like my Saturday treat. This might have been a New York Times article, and it was around how like there's a there's like a the new trend for drug addicts is actually to go in these Zoom rooms, and you could find them on Reddit, and you go and do drugs on Zoom with other people. Because like, you know, when you have to go out and do math on the street, it's like embarrassing and like, you know, people should, but now you can literally do it and not feel so isolated. But the reason they do it on the street is because that's where they get the meth. Yeah, but who wants to do it on the street? You know, it's nice to do it at home. I see. So they get the meth and now instead of like just doing it with their buddies on the street, they, they do it on Zoom from their privacy. Yeah, with a bunch of strangers. You can also order on the dark web. Like the dark web is the best. And I always think like if, if you go on the dark web, it, it's like totally monitored by the government. I think okay, so I've ordered stuff. Have you ordered stuff on the dark web? I have, I don't even know how to get to the dark web. That's how yep. naive I am. I can tell, dude. It's super easy. You okay, just, you mean, tell me. Yeah. So you, it's really, it's actually people like when people say dark web, I'm always like, it's not that that crazy. You it's, download it's more the like Tor, a gray web. Yeah, you download the Tor browser. That's it. Number so number one, download Tor browser. Number two, you get a VPN. I use ExpressVPN, not affiliated. Okay, um, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna write all this down. So download Tor browser. Express VPN. Yeah. So you download Tor, which is a browser that's more secure. Then you use Express VPN. Express VPN is another thing that'll help you be on a VPN. So your your I look, the government can find you. Don't worry about it. if you're really worried, don't do it. Then you're gonna go to a site called dark.fail. Dark.fail. Yeah. So dark.fail shows you it's a URL, more or less. So it's a URL of verified marketplaces of illicit stuff. I see. So it's like it's like the Yahoo of the dark web. That's exactly right. Then you go to these sites, you log in, you register, you do all this stuff. The only other thing that you need to be mindful of is how do you actually transact? So you transact 
I use a thing called Wasabi app. It's a Mac app. So you download Wasabi app. How you get crypto in there, there's a bunch of different ways you can probably figure it out. Then what you want to do is actually do a tumble. They call it a coin join. But theoretically, this is how the people I think got caught, Those uh, the billionaire people in New York, those the yeah. girl and guy. Yeah. Um, you put your crypto in that wallet, you coin join it, which basically blends it with other people's crypto, and then you use that to send it to whatever marketplace you use from uh, the dark fail recommendation. Ah, that's genius. And then I think you do have to do a PGP encrypt, but you can literally Google PGP encryption, and then you post your address in the encryption. And I generally send it to like some other person's address with a fake name or like an Airbnb. And then I'll use a fake name, and then I pick it up there if I ever do that stuff. I haven't done it in a little while. And and I've heard that the biggest user though of the dark web is the government because they do a lot of illicit things, dude. How crazy do you think the government is that we don't know about? Oh, I mean, I think pretty much everything we hear, and, and I'm not even being like a conspiracy theorist. I've just always assumed this, both from what I've heard and what I've seen and what I've guessed. I assume nothing that we read in the news about the government is actually true, and that everything is like layers and layers deeper. And and by the way, I'm assuming this about people who are really stupid in general. Like I think people who are the government are not the brightest people. So, so I used to agree with that until I met this girl in who worked as a civil servant. She didn't say she worked in government. And she was actually really smart. And I was like, why would you ever work in government if you're smart? And she's like, I just really care. And I do think there's a lot of stuff that does happen that people don't see. And I was like, yeah, maybe not, not all of them are dumb. No, well, like here's an example. Like, and I can neither confirm nor deny anything, but like when uh, a few years ago, the U.S. government historically would pay off like the Afghanistan warlords to stay on our side. And that, that could be hundreds of millions of dollars in cash. And so they would lift off in 747s just filled with $100 bills and until the rise of crypto. Like everyone's always worried about, oh, is the U.S. going to ban crypto? Of course not. They're the biggest users of crypto. That's how they pay off everyone all around the world. That's how we got $100 million to Ukraine this week is through crypto. And a lot of that happens also through the dark web. I would be president just to find out that stuff. Yeah, and you would think, like, why hasn't any president, like, told us, hey, this is what happens? Like, like Trump was, was you know, he, he's so anti-government. Why doesn't he just, like, tell everybody what's going on? <laughs> like, he knows that there's aliens, 100%. Right. Yeah, he knows. And, or, or, or he knows that there's, like, visitors from the future who, who give advice to everybody. And I don't know. He knows everything. So he does know a lot of the secrets. Like man. I could see Obama, Clinton, yeah. they don't want to tell anybody. They're kind of in the crew. But uh, you know, Trump hates everyone, so he should just just out of sheer hate just share everything. Would you have rather had lunch with Obama or Trump? I think I think definitely Trump because Trump is gonna just say shit and Obama <laughs> look, you do you know, I do a podcast, right? So I talk to like well-known, famous people all the time. The more famous they are, the less they can say. So if you have on like the, the you know, Elon Musk is almost an exception, but let's say you have on like Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos or Michael Dell, whoever, they can only say so much because they've got shareholders, they've got their reputations, they've got lawsuits all the time, they've got the government all over them. Uh, so they can't really, like, like Eric Schmidt, He's been on the podcast a bunch of times. He's not going to tell me, oh, yeah, we talk to the CIA every day and give them everything they want. He's not going to tell me that. And I've even asked. 
And he's like, oh, no, occasionally we get requests and then we decide what to do with them. You know, they have their way of speaking, which doesn't say anything. And Eric's a good guy. It's just that they can't say anything. So, but like, so Obama's like that. But Trump, I have a feeling he'll just say whatever. Like if you ask him the questions directly, he'll he'll just tell you. I feel you. How's James Altucher? It's good to see you, man. I know we, yeah, we came in hot. It's been a while. And uh, I always read your stuff and it's always, it's always very inspiring. Like you have... So, you are like an idea machine. You come up with ideas that are life-changing constantly. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've both used and told people the very first idea you told me eight years ago, which is go to a Starbucks and ask for 10% off. Oh, the coffee uh, challenge. Yes. Yeah. I've used that. And by the way, that works really well on if you're on a date as well, I might add. Like telling them this challenge and then kind of helping your date through the process of doing the challenge. Cause it's very scary at first, but then when you realize, oh, you can get 10% off at at least half the places you go to, it gets very exciting. I'm working on a book and that's like one of the main things in the book is this coffee challenge part where you, you go to this place, you ask for 10% off and you kind of learn about yourself. Yeah. You learn about yourself. You refine your ability to ask for things. You realize your comfort zone was too close and then actually, if you expand it out further, mm. a lot of a lot of life opens up to you. This is a very direct way of expanding that comfort zone. And the wider the comfort zone is, the more things can fit in it. <laughs> so including 10% discounts and including knowledge of yourself and, and better sales techniques and maybe better dates, whatever. 100%. But what else is in the book? Uh, what have you been working on? It's been interesting, man. But writing a book is hard. Writing a book is easy. Writing a great book is hard. Tell me about it. I've I've written now twenty five books, and I would say, oh. I would say two of them are good, maybe three. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe four out of twenty five. Um, not counting ones I wrote and didn't publish. Damn, dude. That's so I've written wild. probably like thirty five. That's a lot of books, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, things in the book. Uh, the now, not how habit. <laughs> uh, just like try, you know, I think a lot of these things in business, we just start negotiating with ourselves, like. You know, uh, I want to do the no now. Like instead of just like how do we do it, it's just like all right, just, what can you do right now? Uh, so that's something we talk about. We talk about a thing called the number. Um, and the number, a lot of people are like, I want to be a millionaire. I want. It's like, well, what's your actual number? And most people's numbers, they just need to figure out their number. And so for me, the number is only like three sections. It's like how much to live, like how much for savings, and then how much to, for for like entertainment, entertainment. So living is your housing. Savings, entertainment, and so my number for like pretty much ten years was three thousand bucks, and then I finally <laughs> did that. I quit my job, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." And so we, we talk about helping people figure out their number. Um, a lot of it is the power of asking, so mastering the fear of asking. Uh, yeah. So we we kind of figure. Some of them we're still dialing in. So coffee challenge is one. The dollar challenge is a great one. What's How the do you get, just get your first dollar? Just get a dollar right now. So use PayPal, use Venmo, get it in cash. Just ask anyone. Because it's, it's, it's I, I love insane. this idea. I'm going to do this. I'm just ask someone for a dollar. And, and a lot of times with the dollar, it's just realizing that you're worth it. You're like, oh, huh. There's something happening with that. Like, I can do a business. I can have a side hustle. I can put myself out there content. And it's a dollar. It's stupid. All your friends will give you a dollar. Uh, what else we got in the book so far? We have, I'm, we're still working on the branding of this, but there's one thing called like the three-second rule. So everyone knows that about in dating. Like in dating, we all know it, right? It's like, if you see someone you like, you have three seconds to kind of go talk to them. And I, I'm going to, I've been doing that, but I do it for business, right? So what is the thing that we're like, hey, I should go ask my boss for a raise, or I should go ask this person for a discount, or I should go, not should, but I, I want to go do that. And then how do you not give yourself the chance to be afraid? 
And so I do think it's around th- it's about three seconds, but it's noticing the negotiation, breathing through it, going and do it, and then being proud of yourself. You know, it's that's really interesting. That I mean, it's probably even you know you know there's this whole idea that the body knows what you're going to do before you even think Ooh. of doing it. <laughs> like like if I'm going to move my arm to pick up a cup of coffee, the body already knows that I'm about to think that thought and is ready to move the arm. And it's weird how that works. That 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 there's some deeper thing than thoughts that are compelling our, mo- our our emotions and our actions. And so the three-second rule is probably, that's probably the upper limit of where the fear starts to kick in. Mm. Yeah, it's like, how do you, and then I think being aware of it, you're like, all right, well, I got three seconds to do something about it. And just kind of, you know, we're calling them sparks. So like, how do you just make the spark happen? Like, just get it going. And a lot of times, one of the themes I'm playing with is just like, how do you, are you a sideliner or are you a player? Mm. Right, and a sideliner is someone who listens to all the things. It's like they're, like observing all the things or consuming all the things and the players in the game. And so with business, with content creation, like me and you are doing and a lot of people are doing, it's, you know, you have to be in the ocean to catch a wave. So if you want something in life, specifically around the business stuff, like go play, go start, get the sparks. And then from there, like things will happen. It leads to other stuff. But you can't do that sitting on the sideline. You know, it's so important, like in, in business, for instance, like I, I was just having this conversation with someone let's say you want to sell a company and and get rich. It doesn't really matter what company you have. The company is just an excuse for someone else to give you a lot of money. Usually they want to give you a lot of money for reasons that have nothing to do with your company. Like they want you to work at their company so they can hang out with you. Or they want to say to their boss or their shareholders, we're buying companies that do X, Y, and Z. And it doesn't matter what your, your company could be a laundromat but you could say it also does these X, Y, and Z, and it's a press release, everyone will believe it. But in order to get sold, you do have to have a company that does something. People can't just give you a lot of money with nothing. So, so starting a company and making it semi-decent is you know, catching a wave, and you have to dive into the ocean of entrepreneurship to do that. But the reasons why people buy a company are never the reasons people think, oh, they're buying my company because the company's so great. No, you, most acquisitions don't work out. Yeah, but if you're not in the ocean, you can't get bought. Well, I think with all this stuff with life, it should be fun. And so it's like, well, what's fun? What do I really want in my life? What's the number I need for that? What are some of the behaviors and mindsets? And then you know some of the tactics to if it's a business that you know. Some, honestly, I was telling somebody yesterday, I was like, dude, it's so much better to be an employee these days. <laughs> like, you make a half a mil with your equity and options, or let's just say three hundred. You don't have to live in like a high priced area nowadays, and you're gonna like you know a lot less responsibility. You check out at five or six. Yeah, entrepreneurship kind of sucks. So all this is related to, I saw this newsletter you wrote a couple months ago, um, Getting Rich for Dummies, something like that. Let me, let me bring it up. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was fun. And then you have a post that it links to how to become a millionaire and all these myths related to it. And you say the secret to getting rich is there are no secrets. It's, it's pretty, and, and by the way, you, you kind of say something that's a little funny, but it's actually probably the easiest way, which is to marry rich. I think marrying, I, I've said that as a joke so many times, but it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Like go find someone rich, go to Silicon Valley, guy or girl or New York, pick someone out, give it two years, cut it off, call it a day. People are working too hard. I've also, well, can I do the more one? This, isn't, this never goes over, right? but it, and it's mostly a joke. But like, there's a lot of rich people that are on social media talk how rich they are. I was like, couldn't you just find out where they live? That's probably not safe. I don't want to. Say. <laughs> well, well, just just if you go out and like, I, if you live in a place like New York City or Silicon Valley, 
you're going to meet someone eventually who, you know, if, if you're on these dating apps or whatever. A hundred percent. Well, I think that, you know, I'm joking about the, the divorce one. I don't know. I hope people don't do that or Rob, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. But I think what's actually more interesting that I, I've thought about, especially now and back then is that like it's, uh, your net worth is the average of the net worth of the people you hang out with. And so, you know, people talk about your network. It's like, if you have a poor network, it doesn't really help you. And so I have been mindful. It's not that I go out there and I ask people like how rich you are, their jobs and things like that. But it's like, huh, who do I call? If I need money, if I'm starting business, if I'm on the street, like who is in my network that I actually can count on? And then if I don't have that, how much am I curating? You know, start, I think if you're in your 20s, really, like how much are you curating that? Like if you really need money, if you call me up, I'd give you 10K, no problem. 100K would be a little weird. But that's also, <laughs> I've known you now, like we've known each other five years. You've really been nice to me, play ping pong. And, and so I, I think for everyone out there, if you're, you know, like a lot of business is really like, who do you know that also can support you in that? And that, that's definitely been helpful for me in my career. Yeah, no, that's that's really important. And you know, there, there's there's the 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 you're, there's that cliche that you're the average of the five people you hang out with. But it's very true about net worth. Like if you're around a bunch of losers who fail at every business activity they try, and by the way, that's not what makes them a loser. There's other things, but you're not going to succeed. Suddenly, when you do a deal with them, it's not going to be like this is the first deal they've ever done. That's great. Like they're going to lose at that deal too. So it's very important to be around good good people who 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 get things accomplished. Um, we we interviewed a guy. I interviewed this guy two weeks ago, and all the companies he had had layoffs. And I was like, "Bro, you are bad luck." At yeah. this point, it's you. Like, I just I can't bring you on Zoom. I can't take that risk. <laughs> See, and and how did he respond to that? I didn't tell it to him. I was oh. do, we do this thing cornerstone interviews where after he's gone through all the different teams, like there's a final interview with either me or. Alona, who's our uh, number two, and it's just like double checking, and I double checked it, and I didn't like it. And it's just, just, just you know, how do we keep, how do we improve our calibration of our recruiting process? Uh, do you ever say no to someone that the rest of your company liked? Actually, yeah, and I thought about it today because they made the right choice that that they they did hire her, uh, and it, you know, it's it's challenging as a leader because you do want to empower people, and then you want to let them fail so they learn from their mistakes. Uh, but I will say within our company. I, it's shocking how much people disagree with me, and I and I enjoy that. I think one of my talents or abilities uh, is that I at least I'm mostly open to feedback and I ask for it. So even today, I had two meetings that were kind of hard, and I was like, I don't think I'm doing a good job being a leader with you. Like, where do you want me to improve? Like, what where can I just? Uh, one of the guys said that I'm not trusting him to actually make the decision. Like, I I make him bring the decision to the team, and I make him get input from everybody in the team versus like. Hey, just go own it. You don't need me to approve it. And so that was a little bit challenging. And then uh, the second one was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of micromanaging too much, and so I'm not actually delegating some of the responsibilities out. So that was the the second person today. Why don't you delegate more? Um, I think like I haven't done a good job. job. I, I don't think I've clarified where we're going, and and like you know, I think a CEO kind of does three things. It's like you set the destination, you set the boundaries, and you pick the players. And I don't think I've really set the destination well, um, and so I'm I'm dialing that in so that then they know the rules of behavior that then they can do whatever the fuck they want within it. But otherwise, it's kind of like it's like getting a speeding ticket and you never saw the sign. Right? Like that's frustrating. And I think there's there's definitely some of that experience at the company. So now, what's going on with you and parties? Why are you going to all these parties where you're you're mouthing off too much? <laughs> it's not mouthing off too much. I went to two. It's South by Southwest in Austin, so it's kind of a shit show out here. 
Uh, Friday night, I went to a dinner for with the... Oh, dude, this guy. You should chat with this kid, man. He's so impressive. His name's Reed. Um, I don't even know his last name. He works. He runs a thing called Night Media. So he is the agent of all the most popular YouTubers. So uh, K-N-I-G-H-T or N-I-G-H-T? No, N-I-G-H-T Media. What's his name? Reed? I don't know. Damn, sorry, Reed. Reed Night Media. Uh, so he hosted a dinner with like... You know, popular YouTuber. Reed Doucher. Reed Doucher. Yeah, dude, he is he's a stud. And he's just like a good dude and he's like super on it. And he's definitely the the future like Michael Ovitz of, of sorts. So I went to this dinner and it was just like a lot of interesting people. And I'm I don't know, I'm just like I, my energy can be a lot. It was like I, I do ask a lot of questions. I think I'm a relatively good listener, but I think I do my best to, to add to a conversation. But then I, I wondered afterwards for some reason, I guess that, that week and um and then a dinner two nights ago, and I did text and I asked for feedback, and they're like, "No, you were great." I was like, "Okay, let's keep doing it." Why do you think you worry so much how you're doing? I don't know. Uh, well, I do know. Um, I want to get invited back. I care about the people that were there. I'm curious what it's like to feel me, and I'm not trying to make people feel uncomfortable or not. You know, maybe some self worth stuff. Like I want, I want them to. I, I think I'm adding. And enjoyable to be around, and just kind of double checking it. You ever? There's just a lot of people I, I meet. I'm like, ugh. I, I mean, I guess I wonder that a lot, but it's usually because I feel down on myself when I'm when I'm doing that. Yeah, I, I think I can think that. No, I felt good at both of those events. I had a little bit to drink, not tremendously. So I'm also wondering, like, am I behaving inappropriate with that? Um, and then my what my my friend was like, no, you're good. I was like, okay, awesome. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And 
listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see, you'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. If you were starting out from scratch right now, you're 22 years old, you're just, you're like, I want to start a company and make a lot of money. What would you do right now? And I know that's kind of like a cliche question. Yeah, no, but, it's all but, good. It's all good. But, it's a fun, since, I think it's a fun experiment. Yeah. I, I think about this all the time, like what I would do right now. I think it's different. So what do I do right now if I was 40-year-old Noah that went broke? Or I'm 20-year-old Noah and I'm just starting out again, right? Yeah, 20-year-old Noah and just starting out. Um... First off, I, I I always do very well with specific goal setting. So I would pick more of a target, like, hey, I want to have a million dollars by X date. And it, it makes it a little bit more quantifiable so you have something to work back from. Otherwise, it's just like, you want to make money? It's like, how much? You know, we talked about it in the book. What's your number? Because it's probably less than people think. But let's just say they're like, no, I want to be stupid rich. Um, I think there's a few components the way that I like to approach these problems. So uh, one, I keep my cost of living extremely low, like insanely low. And I've, I was talking about this earlier. Like I slept on couches for a year. Like I was making six figures at mint.com, director of marketing. I slept on people's couches for free for a year just because I was like, it's cheaper. <laughs> it was just yeah. so, it was dumb, but I was like, yo, it may, it, so if you keep your cost of living low, you don't have to work for anyone. 
So what, what you're really saying is you, you value your freedom. Your, your freedom has a higher price than let's say, uh, uh, an expensive apartment. Well, if you think about a job, right? Well, I'm talking about, well, I'm trying to set up the foundation to get super rich. So if you yeah. have to have a job because you have a nice apartment or a car or expensive lifestyle or that stuff, then you're not able to actually do the things that are a little riskier to potentially make you higher upside. It just makes it harder because you don't have that time because you're like, well, I got to cover these bills. If you don't really have bills, you can do what the fuck you want. Right. So, and, and by the way, this is a truism for business and investing. If you can mitigate your risks, you have a lot more opportunities to succeed. Yeah. So first off, I call it cool. Cost of living low. So just keep it cool, right? Number one. And I mean, I'm dude, I'm talking family plan on your Netflix. Don't even use Netflix. Go use like uh, Amazon Prime for free. Uh, Amazon Prime. I use, I still, dude, I'm 40-year-old, multimillionaire. I go to the library. Like I still check out my books in the library. And people are like, oh, you should support authors. I'm like, I know, but I love the library. Plus I pay taxes. So anyways, I'm just saying like you could just share, do a family plan for your cell phone. Like get your costs down low. Number two, get guaranteed income. A lot of people are like, I'm like, go drive for Uber. They're always hiring. Go do DoorDash. Go do Uber Eats. And I think why that's good is that it gives you money. So you have flexibility. You have a little bit of freedom. It gets momentum. A lot of people, I, I think it just gives you that oxygen. We're like, okay, I'm at least covered. And I'm yeah. talking I'm dead broke. I'm like, I would guarantee my income. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of things are not guaranteed. So number one, do whatever's guaranteed making money. Number, uh, I'm going to keep going through other things, like exact things I do. I would then start putting out consistent content. Right, because that's not going to pay the bills right away, but that for me has helped me do really well financially. Or meeting people like yourself, or meeting and meeting other well-known people well, helps improve. Think my- about it. We we all like. I could think of like a whole community of people like you and me, where we all basically met because we reach out of our house with content. Yeah, and man. we've been consistent about it. Yeah, it's really fun. I love it. Like I th- I don't make a lot of money on the content directly, but the meeting you. I don't know, meeting all these interesting people. Like I interviewed the the squash player, number one squash player in the world last week. I'm like, dude, it was excellent. And I've been doing you know, this 20 it, years. It, it's an interesting point because you even say in that post, do things you love, but it's not the things you love that will necessarily make you money, but it's kind of like the ancillary benefits of doing the things you love that lead to you making money. I mean, I will tell you, I met Tim Ferriss for his book came out in 2007. That relationship has been helpful, right? Like Tim has gone on to be a, a superstar. He's helped promote a lot of AppSumo. He's helped put me on the map. Meaning, you has helped me put money on the map, uh, and that's you know helping each other. We're not going to get to that in a second, but it, like put yourself out there to be a magnet, and and whatever medium makes you feel comfortable. It could be poetry, <laughs> it could be video, yeah. it could be podcast, it could be writing. Like you, you know, I loved, I found you through your writing online. Uh, yeah. So, but you have to plan. Some of these things are, if you think about it, they're different time frames of returns, just like investing, right? So your your Uber Eats, like you know, it's guaranteed money. It's not high return, but it's guaranteed. Then you have this long investment of your content, your brand, your um, audience. And then I'd say third, then I would start exploring business ideas that are kind of like, all right, and, and let me just go through an example. Uh, last week, I wanted to show people how to start a business. So easy way to, there's basically a few easy ways to start a business. Number one is think about literally everything in your day that's a problem. So two problems that I'm having in my life, I'm having a lot of problems, but two uh, were my ergonomic setup of this desk, like this desk I'm on, like my chair is like, I don't know if it's back too far. I don't know if my arms are high. My, I'm getting tired during the day. And like when I worked at Intel, they actually had someone come in and they're like, well, your desk is too low. Your arms are not in enough. Your monitor needs to be moved up. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So that was one problem. And did it work? Too. Like when you, when you yeah, made those suggestions? I actually, well, I, I'll, I started the business, so I can tell you about that in just a second. <laughs> um, so think about a bunch of business ideas, problems you have, or look at your credit card statement and see where you're spending money or where you're not spending money and be like, or where you want to save money, sorry. 
Where am I spending money? Am I spending a lot of money at the gym? Am I spending money on food? Is there any money I want to, is there a business there or is there a way I can save money? And lastly, you can always look at like what you're buying. So go to your Amazon history page and you can see, hey, I'm spending a lot of money on like, like I just found a, a product, uh, Gujanda Berries. It's supposed to help you go to sleep by Goli. Huh. I don't fucking know. I, I try it out. So anyways, then combine those ideas. You can go look at, it's on Tim Ferriss. It's also what my book's going to be about. But you kind of want to do a little bit of research to say like, how big is this opportunity? And is it going to be growing or declining ultimately? And because, you know, for me, I've been very, I think one of the best things I've done in my career is pick big industries. Like I picked social networking, Facebook. I picked personal finance with Mint. I did social games, which got big. I did payments, Stripe, these got big. Uh, I did e- daily deals, Groupon did big. I did SaaS with Sumo.com, that got big. And now AppSumo has evolved to be kind of an e-commerce store, which has done really well. And so I, it's not that I'm not that great. I think I'm above average in terms of intellect and, and like excellent in aggressiveness. But I just pick really good industries. Yeah. Really excellent industries. And I've just been in the right place. What about what about like like let's say you're 20 years old? Like the biggest industry right now is seems to be crypto. And I'm only saying that because hundreds of billions of dollars haven't been invested in VC funds that have not yet been spent. Uh, yeah, that are focused I think on crypto. There, there's three areas that I'm particularly. If I was starting again today, there's three areas that I think are interesting: crypto, so crypto web three, or crypto NFTs, content creation, and software. There's a lot of ways to make a lot of money doing those things over the next decade. I would guess, if not longer. I think YouTube is seriously, and then I think YouTube is literally probably one of the best job creators in the world. It's free hosting; you don't pay anything. It's free advertising money; you don't have to even go get an advertiser. And they bring you the audience. You don't even have to go and find the audience. They have them there for you. I'm like, it's literally the dumbest business that everyone should be doing if they want to start a business. So anyways, pick your business ideas. I would try to find it, and we've talked about in the article, pick an industry that's growing and pick something you're interested in. Like, I did a lot of industries I didn't like doing, and then finally AppSumo after 10 years was like, I love software, I love deals, I love marketing, let's put it all together and call it a day. Uh, and then the last thing I would say on the 20-year-old piece, so yeah, starting a business, and we can go deeper in that business I started last week. Uh, and then the last component of this uh, the last component is more of like, how do you build up your, your network? Right. And so in my 20s, I'll just tell you exactly what I did. Uh, I did a few things very specifically. Like, one, I, I put myself out there through content. So I was blogging at okdork.com since 2000. Um, secondly, I hosted events. So I brought together like the founder of Firefox, the founder of Mebo, the founder of, I don't know, PayPal, Hot or Not, Suicide Girls. Like, I put on a lot of events. I didn't have a network, zero network. There wasn't yeah. an email list. There wasn't Twitter. There was not Facebook. There was not Craigslist. It was like manually emailing people and being like, do you know any people that want to come to this event? Do you know any people that want to come to this conference? And the conferences and events hosting like ping pong tournaments, uh, dodgeball tournaments with VCs. Like that is what's given me the ability to very easily connect with anyone I want within that sphere of tech. But it also built up a network where as I was getting businesses going, like today, I needed some tax information. So this guy Vivek Sodra recommended someone. Or like Ankur Nagpal, I met him through doing... Oh yeah, game. he's a teachable guy. Yeah, teachable. I yeah. knew him because I was building games in Silicon Valley and I ended up having Naval Ravikant invest in my company and he was just like this, some kid who went to Berkeley with me. That's funny. Did you, did you, I invested a little in Teachable. Did you invest in Teachable? I did invest in Teachable. He did, dude, it was a good 6x return, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I invested in Swallmout because it was through a VC fund. But... Yeah, he was... Well, I think my point that I'm trying to make is that I do think geographical matters. Being, I was just in SF. That made a big difference. I did put myself out there. I did facilitate um, events that had a lot of serendipity. Like a lot of my... Like, think about this. I created a conference called Community Next. Didn't have an audience. I just cold emailed a bunch of people. And I've put this article on OK Dork about how I made like hundreds of thousands doing this. But what's crazy is that conference connected me to Andrew Warner, who's a mutual friend. Yeah. Andrew Warner connected me to Chad Boyda, 
who was my first customer at one of my companies, who is now my one of my best friends, business partner, and, and CTO at AppSumo.com. Yeah. And so those are the different steps and things I would consider in my 20s where a lot of the relationships, like Ramit Sethi, Chad Boyda, like all these other, um, Tim, a lot of these other people, at the time, they were not like a big deal. And who, big deal is all relative. Maybe they don't think they're a big deal. I don't know. But in terms of notoriety, but they were interesting. And I think that's something I still literally do to this day, which is who is doing something. In, and then I would say part of the networking is who's doing interesting things that you should be connecting with. Not the major stars, because those are already like, if you're trying to get a hold of me and you like, we're, you know, whatever. I don't, depends on who you're, how you measure. It's a little hard to get a hold of us, but someone well, just you're, started, very, you're very hard to schedule. It took a couple of schedules and reschedules, but it's getting, well, running up running a company is hard, dude. Yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for anyone running any company with more, with like more than a few people. Like it is tough. I thought it was a lot easier because Eamon used to run it. The former CEO, I was like, yeah, man, you don't do anything all day and you make all this money. No, dude, it's anywho. So what I'm, what I'm saying here though, is that I am still active. Like there's this guy, Chris H on Twitter or this guy, gross student on Twitter, uh, or this guy stands fam. He's a fisherman on YouTube. I am looking for stars and not stars in the sense that they're like super famous or super popular, but just people that are doing something that I find interesting and I'm, I enjoy connecting with that. And so I would, I would consider that as well um, how you're doing it. So like I met Ramit through work. I asked a friend, I said, there's this one girl at work I thought was really smart. I said, who's the smartest person you know in the Bay Area? She's like, oh, you should meet this Ramit guy. And that's led to a friendship over 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. Ramit, um, I met him. He does a similar approach as you. Like I met him, I think in 20... 11 or 2012, he reached out to me because of my writing and he, he gave me the advice. You should start an email list. So that's advice Did I he? took to Damn. heart and, and that has created a lot of uh, money for me. Email is where it's at. I mean, email has definitely made me rich. It's definitely made AppSumo successful. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, all the things that have tried to essentially replace email from, you know, SMS to Twitter to Facebook posts, whatever, uh, email is still the strongest, <laughs> the strongest social network. I know it's just kind of funny to think when I grow up, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna make money through email marketing or email lists. No, I mean it's it's interesting. I actually find myself checking my email less often as I've gotten older, which is a whole separate thing. We can talk about this. Yeah, after. yeah. I I kind of I kind of don't check anything during the day. And people, if you don't respond to people like within an hour, they are you mad at me? Like what's going on? But sometimes I won't check stuff till the next day, even so. So life's a lot easier that way. Amen. Dude, I was, well, I'll tell you a few other secrets of being rich, I would say. I don't, there's no secret. Let's just start with that. But I think two other habits or character traits that I admired, and I think it was what I've noticed from successful or rich people. And success, I don't like saying successful because that's all relative, but rich people. One is follow-up. Like people, like you said, hey, people email me and I didn't respond. Like most people don't follow up. Like yeah. I've been trying to get to do, I wanted to interview this guy named Mattress Mac. Have you heard of Mattress Mac? No, dude. Mattress Mac is the best. This is like he's like. I gotta write it down. Oh, dude. Mattress Mac is a legend. He he runs a mattress store. How many mattress stores do you know stay around? And he's his store has been around forty years. He bets like ten million dollars on the Super Bowl this year. He lost all of it. Oh my god. He he's generated that much money from selling mattresses. Yeah. Well, that well, what he does is he says, "I'm gonna do a ten million dollar thing. Uh, I'm gonna bet ten million dollars on the Super Bowl. If I win, then every mattress you get is free." That whatever yeah. you bought during the Super Bowl is free, but he lost it. But he, I think he broke even or close to it uh, from the bet. That's so because funny. anybody you buy a mattress gets it free if he wins the money. And so, but point being, the point I was making here is that I spent, I called his store every day for two weeks, multiple times a day, to finally get an interview with him. And so, what I've observed is a lot of people. It's not to try to just give myself props. I don't. It's not about that. I'm just saying, like, if you want, like, find what you want. 
and then go, you have to follow up on it. And then the second thing I would say, you know, one of my favorite quotes is persistence beats resistance. And so, yeah, I fucking persisted on that. And I think with AppSumo, like, I think the one reason we've done well is we just haven't quit. Yeah, you've guys, how, when did you, you've been doing AppSumo for as long as I've known you, I think. 2010, man. It's been a, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. It's surprise. you know, I talked to my business, like, did you ever think we'd do this this long? He's like, hell no. But I'm lucky that it's still in desire. I'm lucky there's software out there we can promote. And, you know, I, I, it's also coming back to what, you know, what excites you. And I didn't start up soon to be a millionaire. I always wanted to be rich, but I was like, I just started up soon because I was like, can I just promote cool stuff? And that's what I, even today, I love my, the newsletter or YouTube or AppSumo. It's like, I'm just here to promote people. I mean, I, I mean I've used AppSumo stuff. Like King Sumo is a lifesaver for oh, yeah. anybody into building an email list. Like, would you use King? Let's say you, you were starting a new platform where you were creating content. Would you use King Sumo to build up a platform? Like let's say a new Twitter or whatever. Let's say you were building like a social network of some sort. You had some twist on the traditional social network. What would you do? Jay mentioned you're building something. You showed it to me. It looks yeah. awesome. I actually sent it to the team. Yeah, no, it's fun. Well, I was just like, yo, this is great. I love where you're going with it. I think what you're doing is part of the future. Well, and also, where do you see next week we're adding AI to it? So, okay. And this, this AI is brilliant. It comes up with better ideas than you would think. It came up with, we asked it the other day, come up with 10 ideas to topple Russia. It was actually very creative how to do it. <laughs> how would I grow a social network? So I, I mean, I think if you look at historically in social networks, like when I worked at Facebook and so forth, it's generally just a very narrow audience, right? So it, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if yours is in writing. It's what it seems like, but I would just yeah. try to be very specific about like who are the individual people that I want to target, and then I, I think the biggest challenge is how do you make it a habit that they're excited to come back each day to check it. So what's missing in in social networks is really just how do you optimize your retention percentage. So I think if you can just focus on when someone comes to my site, I know they come back once a week. So you know, one you know, weekly active user. So I would probably try to figure out what can I do to get my retention higher, and then the marketing and getting people to it uh, is pretty much trivial because you're like, you know, I know when they when they come, they're gonna stick. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I built one social network before that I started this company, Stockpicker, in two thousand six, oh, yeah. two thousand seven. It was like kind of a social network for investors, and a lot of it was about not how much content they create but how much content is on the site that they consume. Because you, you, you want people to basically use your site in, when they're sitting in the bathroom. And they're not going to create content in the bathroom probably, but they're going to they're gonna read. Yeah, I mean, I think it's they're interesting. They're going to consume content. Like, I think communities, I think the newest marketing channel is community. right? And people are talking about it, but what really is happening is how do you create your, your business or your, play, your company as a destination that people are actively thinking about? Because right now, you need permission from email or permission from Twitter or permission from Facebook or IG or WhatsApp to actually communicate with the, the audience that you want. And even Gmail, yeah. you need Gmail's blessing to talk to your audience. So how do you make it so you have a more direct relationship? How, how's your chess playing doing? Dude, I kind of, man, I, I go through these weird phases, which I think is pretty human-like, where I'll, I go hardcore into some activity for about 18 months and then I just like, like I just could, what happened, I was, I was at my family, we were having a family holiday about two years ago or a year ago, and I didn't hang out with my family because I was playing chess the whole time. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know. Then after that, I was like, this is too much right now. And I haven't really looked at a board in a year. Uh, and then I, yeah, I think I, to be clear, I just want to be clear about it. And this is a Jewish thing for sure is like, how do you not guilt yourself about this stuff? And I think with some things we should guilt ourselves, but something that's like, I, and the first time I stopped playing chess, I had a lot of guilt. And then this time, it's like, no, you always quit. You're a quitter. Why couldn't you do it? And this time, I'm like, Dude, do you want to play chess? No, man. That's okay. Let's. You're enjoying other activities. 
Yeah, no, I think, I think that, I mean, look, you're talking to someone who's played chess and then for six years before that, I was, I was, the past six years, I've been doing nothing but stand up comedy almost every night. And you can't justify that if your goal is, for instance, to make a company that's going to change the world. Cause I'm just, you go till midnight going on stage in front of 12 drunk people making jokes. So you're not really doing anything functional to society, but I always try to ascribe deeper meaning to it. So for instance, let's say now I haven't played in, I've only just started playing in tournaments again after a 25 year break. And I'm sort of saying there's a higher meaning to it, which is that I'm, I'm proving that you can improve as a 50, 50 year old or over 50 year old. You can, people say, oh, adults can't improve. It's only the kids now. And I am doing a serious effort to prove everybody wrong that it's not, you're never too old for the things you love doing. So, so I, I give greater meaning to it, which is how I justify doing oh, it. I like that. Can I ask? Can, and I have to make sure it's not bullshit. Like I have to make sure I'm not just oh. rationalizing. That's what I talk about in therapy. He's like, you're lying to yourself, Noah. I'm like, shut up, man. Just let me lie to myself. <laughs> let me, James, can, I just turned 40. What, it, what do you recommend to have a, to enjoy your 40s or to live a, live a great 40s? I think you have to reduce workload. <laughs> really? Yeah. You have to find more things that you love doing and you have to make sure you never hang out with anybody that's not good for you. Like that, you have to eliminate all of that and you have to have time to rest. But by the way, the forties is going to be maybe the most creative decade of your life. Like you say, you like making content. You should amp up the content and be super honest about it because you don't owe anybody anything anymore. You're not in your twenties where you're trying to prove yourself. You should amp up everything you're worried about every day. You should, you should write about the party you went to last night, what conversation you had that you feel awkward about. Call up the person on YouTube and say, you're on YouTube now. Did I make you feel awkward when I said this? Just really go for it on the content side and, and take off all the band-aids. And that was for me, my entire forties. <laughs> was it good? And it changed my life doing that. Are, are, you, are you single? Dating? Married? Again? Uh, no, I'm married. I'm married. How's that going? It's going good. My wife's right over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's always hard to talk about it when they're right there. Uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be heading to Austin sometime in the next uh, month or two. We'll we'll stop by. We'll play ping pong and chess oh and whatever. My God, I'd also I'd love to host you. I have a, a it's called Tynan's Crypto Casita in my backyard. My buddy Tynan lives back there. What what is it? What, it's a, in? I have a casita in my in my backyard, but I, I call it Tynan's Crypto Casita. He's a uh, he, he put he made a plaque, and I was like, well, you made a plaque. It's yours. Excellent. Well, if if he's not there, we'll stay there, dude. You're no no seriously. You're more. I'd love for you guys to be hosted here. Excellent. Well. Noah, head to therapy. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You're always a welcome guest anytime. If you've Love ever you, have anything you want to say to anybody, say it here on this podcast. And uh, uh, sharpen up your chest a little bit before I head to Austin, and uh, we'll have a fun time. And I'll sharpen up my ping pong. I love you, man. My, my daughter's playing in um, the, the, do you know what the Maccabee games are? They're like the Jewish Olympics. In Israel. Yeah. And she's playing in for the U.S. women's ping pong team. That's dope. Yeah. Till we meet again. Have a happy Purim. Yeah, you too. Eat a lot of hamantaschen. <laughs> Good right. seeing you, man. See you later, Noah. Thanks. 